Welcome to the Midweek Bible Study and again we're in 1 Peter and I'm enjoying the subjects that come out of this portion of scripture as Peter is encouraging these persecuted saints in uh, their salvation in the passages we've looked at or the verses we've looked at and all the contents of these wonderful verses and we've got more wonderful verses tonight we see the supreme cost of our salvation in verses 18 to 21 of first peter chapter 1 so welcome along and may the lord bless as we open the word tonight let's pray before we do just that thank you heavenly father for your word thank you for the stability it gives us the consistency of life lord the assurance of heaven and lord for these wonderful sections on our salvation and what it involves and how we should live because we are saved and lord uh, be ye holy for i am holy it says right here and in the old testament bless the word to us and may we be encouraged in it in the middle of the week the working day week and uh, bless lord those that do have work and uh, thank you for all those that have kept their jobs and lord you've secured that for them and thank you for all that they can do through that that you give them the ability. Lord, bless the study tonight from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. The past two points that we've looked at last week, we looked at the surrender of, to God in our salvation that we should have in verse 17. There, past the time of our sojourning here in fear. We looked at the week before, in verse 16, the scriptures of God in our salvation. It is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, it is written, was written in the Old Testament. So, it's for them and it's for us. God requires his people to be holy. And this is the greatest motive, I think, we see here tonight for being holy. We find in verses 19 to 21. Peter reminded his readers of their salvation experience, a reminder that we all need regularly. You know, uh, our salvation can become taken for granted, uh, blasé about what we have in Christ. And we need to realise down here on earth, before we get to heaven, how wonderful it is to be saved and the tremendous price that's been paid for that. And uh, I think that's one reason why the Lord established one of the ordinances and that is the lord's table the lord's supper we call it and that's given to us or instituted in matthew 26 26 where the lord instituted that and he took the bread and the cup and he blessed both and it's to serve to remind us of the cost of our salvation and these verses tonight is the cost or the supreme cost of our salvation, verse 18 to 21. And it's also very detailed, it's put in a detailed form in First Corinthians chapter 11 that we often read before we celebrate the Lord's table and that we haven't done because we haven't met for some time. And this is certainly by far the longest period we haven't had the Lord's table and we will enjoy that when we come back together to serve to remind us of the supreme cost of our salvation. This do in remembrance of me. And so we're looking at the cost of our salvation tonight. We see their past. The 
believers past, what they once were. And he reminded them in verse 18, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things. Their past is contained in that verse redeemed. Before they were saved, they were unredeemed. They weren't irredeemable, but they were unredeemed. And this is, or contains the idea that they were slaves. A theological term, the word redeemed, it carries a special meaning to the people of the first century. It was said that there was about 50 million slaves in the empire, in the Roman Empire at that time, 50 million slaves. That's double the size of Australia's population. And for them to be redeemed, they knew what that meant. We don't, because we're not slaves. We're slaves to sin, but not slaves in a physical sense. Many slaves become Christians and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were redeemed in that sense for eternity, but they were not redeemed as far as being slaves. And um, the book of Philemon has to do with that. And Onesimus and Paul and his, Paul's encouragement there to take this runaway slave back back in after he got saved and not as a, an, a slave but as a brother in Christ but many of these slaves knew what it was a slave could purchase his own freedom but it cost a lot and he'd have to save a lot of money for a long time to have the money to do that or his master could sell him to someone else who would pay the redemption price for a slave and set him free that would be it would be good to have a friend like that in those days to be set free from being a slave. But redemption was a very precious thing. And these people knew what it meant. For as much as you know that we're not redeemed with corruptible things, they knew the cost of redemption, physical redemption. And so Peter, putting it in this sense, they understood it, even the slave masters knew what it cost for a slave to go free. And so this is their past. And doesn't it remind us of our past? (laughs) We're in bondage and slaves to sin. We were slaves of the devil. We were slaves to self. We're slaves to the things of this world. We're slaves to money. We're slaves to our job. But when we become a Christian, we are redeemed. (laughs) And those things don't have to hold us back and down anymore. We still do those things. We still work. We still earn money. But we don't have to be submitted to them. We don't have to be their slaves. And redemption should be a very precious thing to us. Never forget that we were slaves of sin. Titus 3.3 tells us, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. It also tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 verses th- verse 3 there about that we're in bondage before we're in bondage to Satan. And so we were serving these, we were slaves to these things and these beings in the past. And Moses urged Israel back in the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 15 chapter 16 and verse 12, chapter 24, verse 18 and 22 there, he urged the Israelis, the new Jewish nation, who had just come out of Egypt, to not forget that they were slaves in Egypt. 
and the redemption price and the Passover lamb and all the things that contain there. They're a, a wonderful pictures for our salvation even today. And the generation that died in the wilderness forgot the bondage of Egypt, forgot the whips of the Egyptians, forgot that they were beaten and made to go and get the straw and mix the mud and make the clay bricks and things of that nature. And it were, Their taskmasters were hard taskmasters. And we can say that Satan is a hard taskmaster. Sin is a hard taskmaster. Being slaves to that. And so our past, for as much as you know that we are not, not redeemed with corruptible things, keep it in light of the New Testament slaves there and, and how we were once slaves. We don't want to go back. We should not want to go back to being in the world and of the world and doing the things of the world. Um, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. We see their poverty, their poverty in the past. Not only did they have a life of slavery and we had a life of slavery, but it was a life of emptiness, a life of emptiness. Paul, uh, Peter called it there from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. This is passed down from generation to generation. Where we were, if our fathers and our forefathers, grandfathers were not saved, they were continually passing on the, the slavery to self, sin and Satan, this world. We were all in that. The traditions of our fathers, and truly Peter could refer to that as far as the Judaizers were concerned. Slaves to a system, slaves to a religion. The Lord has given us liberty, and Galatians 5 1 talks about the liberty that we have in Christ Jesus. That was our poverty in the past. If we read, or we can read in 1 Peter over a bit in chapter 4 and verses 1 to 4, where we read, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men and to the, but to the will of God. Yeah, we, we lived it in the past to the lust of the flesh. We were slaves to it and didn't even know it. But we now live to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, these things we were slaves to, revelings, banquetings and abominable idolatries in which they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of right speaking evil of you non-christians don't understand why a christian won't do these things and they know we shouldn't but they just why don't you do why don't you just enjoy yourself well wait a minute you're the slave you're the slave to that stuff we don't have to be we live our life now to the will of God, as it said there in verse 1. And so they really have a terrible poverty in their life. At the time, these people who are unsaved and people today who are unsaved think their life is full, think their life is happy when they're really empty and miserable. They have a buzz for a while when they go get drunk or down the pub with their mates. Or revelings and carousings and getting around and, and doing wicked things. They think their life's full. Look, how better can it be? How good is it? When really they're empty and miserable. Unsaved people today are blindly 
living on substitutes. And it reminds me of that portion over in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 2. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labour for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat that which is good. Let your soul delight itself in fatness, the fatness of the Lord, the good things of God. Why spend your money for bread that doesn't satisfy you? You wake up tomorrow if you've been drunk the night before with a headache. I don't know, I've never tried it, but they tell us so. Have a coffee or whatever they do to get rid of it, or tablet to get... They call that having fun. And they're living on substitutes. They've got an emptiness in their life. It's because their soul, their spirit is not being quickened. It's dead. They're not a full person, not body, soul and spirit that's alive. They need to be saved to be and born again to have life in Christ and know why they're here on planet Earth. Do you know unsaved people living like this and thinking, well, how better could it be when really... They don't know how bad it is and particularly how bad the end is of that sort of life. Over in the book of Hebrews, just back from Peter where we are, in Hebrews chapter 11, Moses realised this when he was down there in, in Egypt and he chose a better life like we by faith choose and 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 don't stay as the slaves to this world. And Mo- Moses chose in verse 25 of Hebrews 11, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin, that's slavery to it, sin for a season. It's only short anyway. And then judgment for eternity. Esteeming the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He considered eternity. He considered the future. He looked forward to and said, this is not worth it, having this little bit of fun for this little time that ends you with a headache anyway down here on earth, but it certainly will end you with hell for eternity. In Matthew sixteen twenty six, those that are slaves to money. What does it say? What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? In Revelation 3.17, Because thou sayest, and this is talking about that later sin in church, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not thou wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. You know, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. There, thee, even the church is saying, Oh, look, this world is great. Look at what we've got. Look at the cathedrals. Look at the buildings we've got. Look at the possessions we have. Look at the bank account. Huh. Probably not even saved. And they're just enjoying being a slave to sin and to possessions and anything else that has their attention. Luke 12.15 reads, A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things that he possesses. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 5 through to 10 there, The perverse disputings of men that say gain is godliness. From such withdraw yourself from those sort of people. They've got all this stuff and they're really just slaves to it. And so we see their past. We see the poverty of these people in the past. They were not redeemed. They were lost. They were serving, serving these things and tradition of their fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, 
we see the price that was paid to purchase us, purchase us from this terrible predicament. The precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. What a wonderful verse. I pray that this verse comes to your mind often, but with the precious blood of Christ. Peter not only reminded them of what they were, but he also reminded them of what Christ did here. Their past, what they were, their poverty, what they possessed, was nothing but they needed to possess salvation and the price, what Christ did. He shed his precious blood to purchase us out of the slave market of sin, to set us free forever, to redeem our soul. And to redeem means to set free by paying a price. The price has been paid. You don't have to pay it. I don't have to pay it. The Lord paid it for us. And so a slave, yes, could be freed with the payment of money. But no amount of money could set our soul free from the bondage of sin that we're under. The poverty that we're walking in. Thinking we're okay and we're poverty stricken. (laughs) No amount of money could do that. Only the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And where... Do you find the blood talked about often? What book of the Bible would you turn to where it's talked about? Well, the book of Hebrews, because it's talking about the Old Testament system as compared with what the Lord did under the New Covenant and the purchase price has been paid in Hebrews 2 verse 15. We read this. And delivered us or delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Verse 14, I should have read. For as much then as the children of partakers of flesh and blood, he also, the Lord, took part of the same, that through death and he shed blood, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them, deliver us from the slave market, who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. We've been set free. The price has been paid. If we go over to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12 there, we See where the word blood is used and speaking of the Lord Jesus' blood. 9.12 Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And down in verse 26, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And so he died for us. Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation and so the price has been paid the blood has been shed and again in hebrews 10 and verse 10 we read by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of jesus christ once for all you say well it doesn't mention blood but it mentions offering it mentions sacrifice it has to do with blood blood was shed Every priest standeth daily ministering, offering the same sacrifices, 
which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God. Yes, Christ's blood was shed. And there's a warning given in verse 29 of Hebrews 10 of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant with which he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite to the Spirit of grace. Don't count the blood of Christ as an unholy thing. This is important. The price that was paid was the supreme price, the ultimate price. We, we say that someone that dies in war gives the ultimate to their country. They gave their life. The Lord has given the ultimate for our salvation, the gift of his life for us. He laid down his life that we might have life. This is a wonderful gift. We ought to say, as 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And John 4.10 and John 3.16, talking to the uh, Nicodemus and to the Samaritan woman in these different verses here, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Yes, at great cost to God, at great cost to his son, we have salvation. We have been redeemed. This is the blessed high price that was paid by our Saviour with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. A lamb, a lamb. Peter was reminding his readers of Old Testament teaching. It was important in the early church. And and it ought to be important today as well. It is the doctrine here of where somebody is, or something is substituted for another. And Christ was our substitute. He took our place. He bore our punishment. As in the Old Testament, the lamb was a substitute for their death. It died on their behalf. Its blood was shed for them. An innocent victim for a guilty victim. And so we have under the price here, there's the blood, there's the gift, and there's the lamb. And the doctrine of sacrifice begins where? Can you remember where? Back in the book of Genesis, chapter 3. But in that chapter, when Adam and Eve had sinned, an animal had to die, and I'm pretty sure it was probably a lamb, to, to provide them with coats of skins for covering. Jesus, the Lamb of God, had to die to cover us and to robe us in a white garment. And the righteousness of saints that the last book of the Bible talks about. So God killed an animal that Adam and Eve might be clothed. And in Genesis 22, verse 13... <laughs> Abraham and Isaac going to do sacrifice. And Isaac observed, Dad, we've got the wood, we've got the fire, he had to carry fire, didn't have matches in those days. But where's the lamb? <laughs> and one of the one greatest statements, and Abraham probably didn't know the full implication of what he, sa- what he said to, to his son then, My son, 
God will provide himself a lamb. So perfectly fulfilled in the future in the Lord Jesus Christ. And each Jewish household in Exodus chapter 12 were to take a lamb, the Passover lamb. And Christ, our Passover in Corinthians, is sacrificed for us, the lamb. His blood was shed. Perfect picture, perfect type from the Old Testament. And the Lord Jesus in the book of Isaiah 53 and verse 7 He's taken as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearer is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. The Lamb of God. How come the Jewish people don't get it? How come they can't see that as plain as day? It's their, their past sacrificial system that pointed to the Lord Jesus and he fulfilled it, but they're still blind. The veil is still on their faces. They cannot see Praise God, one day it will be taken away, as it reads in the New Testament. Where is the Lamb? Where is the Lamb? Who answered that question in the early New Testament, in the Gospels? Who is it that spoke out and and found the Lamb? (laughs) Uh, You know, the the message I have, Behold the Lamb of God, one of the wonderful messages that I like preaching. And John the baptizer, the Baptist, said... When Jesus came to him to be baptized, what did he say? Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. (laughs) Not worthy to unloose his shoelaces. Ah, yes, behold the Lamb of God. John 1.29. The Lamb that takes away. The Lamb is identified there. And we have in the last book of the Bible, in Revelation 5, verse 11 to 14, where the redeemed... And the angels sing, Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. And I believe the Lamb in the New Testament is the word is used mostly in the book of Revelation in concluding the Lamb. And one day we'll see the Lamb of God. And our first glimpse will be in, in the air. When we meet him in the air, we'll see him, the Lamb of God. And we move to the fourth point there, the plan. Verse 20 and 21. Peter makes it clear that it was a plan. This lamb was without blemish and without spot. You could park in verse 19 for a while. But in the plan is verse 20 and 21, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Before man was created, before the world was created, God knew that Adam and Eve would sin. God knew and He and his son and the Holy Spirit, they knew that the son would die and shed his blood. He still went ahead with the plan. It's not a failure. It's not like, oh, what do we do now? You know, now that they've crucified the Messiah. No, that was all in his plan. And and you think of that. We're, We're in his plan. We're part of that. What a blessing to be a part of the church. What a blessing to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It's no accident. It was foreordained by God before the foundation of the world. Acts 2.23 From the human perspective, our Lord was cruelly murdered. But from the divine perspective, he laid down his life for sinners. John 10.17-18 But he was raised from the dead. He is not here. Come see the place where the Lord lay in in the scriptures it tells us he is not dead 
he's been raised. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, the following verses there. <laughs> he is risen. He is risen. And uh, you can read it there in those verses. We haven't time. So when you and I meditate on the sacrifice of Christ for us, certainly we should do what verse 16 tells us. Be ye holy, for I am holy. There was a great price paid for our redemption, for our salvation. Francis Havergale saw a picture of the crucified Christ with the caption under it, I did this for thee. What hast thou done for me? Quickly she wrote a poem, but was dissatisfied with it and threw it into the fireplace. The paper came out unharmed. Later her father suggested she publish the poem, and today it's a song we sing. I gave my life for thee, my precious blood I shed that thou might ransom be and quickened from the dead. I gave, I gave my life for thee. What hast thou given for me? And many of the songs in our hymn book, 210. <laughs> what can wash us white as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing that we can do. A good question indeed. We must be able to give an answer. It's the blood and only the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today you get liberal theologians and apostates saying, I don't need anyone dying for my sin. And what they're saying, I don't feel I'm guilty at all. I'm not a slave to sin. And they are, and unless they get redeemed, they'll stand in pulpits as angels of Satan's, like angels of light, but they're of the wicked one. They need to be redeemed. Doesn't matter how good your breeding is and, and your background, you need to be saved by the blood of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God and thank you for the blood of Christ. Thank you for the redemption we have in Christ. It's not by our works. It's not by our deeds. It's not by our money. It's not by our prestige or importance. It's humbling ourselves and become obedient to the Lord Jesus, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have eternal life. And Lord, if there's someone listening tonight that has not been redeemed by the blood that they might today, and that we might take our hymn books out and sing some of these hymns, hum them in our hearts, and always remember the cost. And Peter didn't want to, neither did you want us to forget the cost of our salvation. Thank you for our salvation. And bless as we go on our way, and may more people be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.